and I'm laying there. You know, after you fall, you're just yeah. like, what in the yeah, world? Yeah, like a self check, right? <laughs> Literally, and then this this guy comes over and he's like, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" And it's Patrick Stewart. <laughs> so I've just had this trauma. So these are things that don't happen in you know uh, your Belinda, California, where I grew up. You know, it's like. Number one, get in my bandage. Exactly. <laughs> He's like, uh, can I can I help you? Can I take you somewhere? And I'm like, uh, yeah, if you could beam me over to the med center. Dr. Crusher can help me out, please. <laughs> like, just keep it going. And he's like, oh, forget you. Hey everybody, welcome with us here today. Uh, we are excited to have a special guest with us, uh, Mr. Scott Rummel. Uh, and you may not recognize him per se, but over the course of this interview and his accolades and mostly his voice, you're going to recognize him. So Scott, thanks for being here with us today. Don't be you're welcome. You're welcome. We are, uh, we're really glad to have you because we're, the more we've learned about you, uh, it's not just your massive years of talent and your voice but we're finding that you're kind of wired a little bit like us because of your fan from totally film movie locations all that kind of stuff absolutely yeah as a little kid i i loved movies my movie tastes were kind of beyond the rest of my generation so i would go to the fox theater in fullerton you know i would be there for whatever it was apocalypse now or star wars or jaws or you know of course all the big ones but yeah my movie tastes were somewhat more mature than uh everybody else so i became a huge movie fan and i loved the trailers i loved watching the trailers mm. and so that was where i really started thinking oh that'd be an awesome job someday yeah and uh but when i was a little kid um I was just kind of drawn to the voice thing. You know, uh, when I watched cartoons, I was realizing that th that was a person doing a voice and that that was a job, you know? And then, um, like, um, I, I got into radio and, oh, I should tell you, um, <clears throat> I would go to Disneyland and I saw I'm a huge Disney collector and fan. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I would literally stop and listen to the announcer and try to imitate him. You mm -hmm. know, ladies and gentlemen, boys and, you know, that. that who who was it at the time? That was Jack Wagner. Okay. And he was voices elsewhere in the park at that time too, right? Yeah, he was. Like everything. Yeah, he was the, you know, keep your hands and arms inside the vehicle and all Betterman that stuff. Better than his Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's crazy is I was the guy that replaced him. Oh, my gosh. In the 90s uh, for uh, period of time I was that voice wow but uh for Disneyland yeah at Disneyland that's amazing but as a kid I would go into the haunted mansion and I didn't want to leave that first room because I hadn't had Paul Fries's whole spiel <laughs> memorized yet you know <laughs> wind hinges creak in doorless chambers that whole thing right so as a little kid I was drawn so I was drawn into the voice stuff and so when I realized that that could be a job I thought that's what I want to do, you mm -hmm. know. I was a musician as well and uh and uh sang and so I was used to being on mic and so this was a you know, this is a fun thing. And what where it really started to happen and people have heard me talk about this before is that I was listening to the radio one day and I heard a guy by the name of Dawes Butler being interviewed. Mm. 
And Dawes was the voice of uh, Yogi Bear and Elroy Jetson and Captain Crunch and literally hundreds of characters, Huckleberry Hound, you know, uh, mm. all these great characters. And he said he would like to work with new young talent. And I'm like, that's me. I'm new young talent. So I actually called Hanna-Barbera and asked for his phone number and talked them into giving me that phone number. And I called him. That's awesome. And uh, <clears throat> the conversation kind of went like this. Uh, I said, hello, uh, Mr. Butler. My name's Scott Rummel. I heard you on the radio and you said that you like to work with new young talent and I'm new young talent. I'd really love to meet you. And he said, well, why don't you send me a tape? I said, I don't have a tape. He said, why don't you make a tape? And I said, could you help me make a tape? <laughs> Long silence. He goes, okay, here's my address. And it was in Beverly Hills, which I thought was so cool, mm -hmm. you know? And so it went up to his house and uh, he became uh, my friend and my mm -hmm. mentor. And I studied with him the last three years that he was on the planet. Wow. And it was fascinating. Uh, you know, I, I really learned to understand the art of voice acting, and uh, my career really began during during that time. So I started. Uh, Did anyone else take him up on that offer? Were you? Uh, yeah, Nancy Cartwright was studying with Dawes at the time. Wow, she's the voice of uh, Bart Simpson mm -hmm. and many right. other characters. Uh, the person that had the slot after me on Thursdays, a guy named Bill Farmer, who's now been the voice of Goofy for Disney for uh, 30 wow. years. And I'll never forget this day. I was leaving Dawes's uh, house. He had a studio out in the back and Bill was walking up and I said, how you doing, Bill? And he said, oh, I'm doing great. I just got the voice of Goofy. And I said, for what? He goes, no, the voice of Goofy. <laughs> and it was like, wow, Bill made it. <laughs> if Bill can make it, I can make it too, it, it, you know? And, and so, uh, yeah, it was fascinating study with Dawes. And then so many people throughout the years, uh, going, uh, really studying with Dawes was like the Harvard. Mm -hmm. He was tough to, to get into, uh, because he, he, he was an older gentleman and, you know, at that time in his life, you know, he couldn't have like a full load of students. So it was, you know, he handpicked a, a number of folks, but he was awesome. And that's where everything really started to change for sure. me. Yeah, yeah. That's where I really learned the art of, of acting, not just voice acting, but developing characters and all that kind of stuff. And during that time, um, I got an agent and that was, that was very difficult getting an agent. There was only 15 agents that handled voiceover. Wow. <clears throat> so like, and I've heard this in other realms of Hollywood where it's a specific talent. And like I had, I had friends that are, that are, you know, were up and coming musicians in Hollywood, but there were certain areas where they weren't ever going to get in because there was such an, a historical guard of people that had been a part of it from the beginning like you know well we're, we're never going to get on the oscars band or the oscars orchestra because those people have been doing it for years and it sounds like the young talent thing was something you were stepping into an older guard of people that had been voiceover people right yeah totally i mean it was a group of people that had yes. done it and now, now they're were they recognizing like we can't do this forever like um you know, it's interesting because as a voice actor, 
you can work until sure you pass yeah hal douglas one of my favorite uh, movie trailer voices uh worked until his 90s mm. and just a beauty i mean you talk about a voice that was um the stuff that you guys like mm -hmm. hal douglas was you know i know everybody refers to my good friend don lafontaine who's uh passed but but hal douglas did you ever see the Jerry Seinfeld comedian trailer where there's a guy sitting in mm -hmm. a booth and he goes, yes. in, it, what do you mean in a world? Yeah. Oh, in a world, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah, how. Yeah. That's how okay. that was. Wow. So he, he worked from his, uh, his horse ranch in Connecticut until he passed away. Wow. And uh, yeah, and Peter Thomas, one of the great narrators, you guys might know him from Forensic Files. He's the narrator on that. He's, he worked to his 90s. So... I think we all feel like uh, as our voices age, it, there we get more life experience. Mm -hmm. There's more wisdom. Mm -hmm. The subtext and the way we touch a word changes, and so I, I, you know maybe there's not as much work, mm -hmm. but there is work for sure. So you know I, I don't think I ever plan to retire. I, I'll just my voice will become something different because back then when I was in my twenties, I was doing. Right now at Del Taco, get you know, I was doing that kind of stuff, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So you grow into whatever the voice is, mm. and so uh, that just made me want to go to Del Taco. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can we get some tacos? Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's the you know that's the stuff that I started doing because that's the stuff that was appropriate for mm -hmm. me. And uh, some of the guys that I admired uh, that were ahead of me would say, "Don't worry." Your voice is going to change. Mm -hmm. It's going to, you know. Did you age into being able to do movie trailers, you think? Oh, totally. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because um, I did not have this voice when I was in my 20s. Mm -hmm. You know, I had, I think I had a good resonance at a higher, you know, pitch at a higher timber. But it's natural that as you get older, your voice deepens a little bit. Mm -hmm. There's more nooks and crannies to make it interesting. <laughs> Um, also it's a muscle. And so, you know, I don't know if you have ever seen a singer and you wonder if they still have their voice because you, you haven't heard them in years and they're actually better mm -hmm. because they've been, they've kept up. They've, they've, uh, you know, and so I use my voice every day and, and, uh, I think it's not that your voice gets better. It just becomes something different. So if you f figure out how to market that, you know, or, you know, so the movie trailers that I do now, and again, I don't really think of it as my voice because each one of them is a different character. Mm. You know, I don't talk to, you know, if I came in here and said, it's great to meet you guys. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I need some coffee. <laughs> you know, everybody'd think I was crazy. It did come in handy with some of my kids. You're going to your room. For the rest of your life you know that kind of stuff you know? <laughs> but uh no i don't talk that way so these are characters that and voices that i've developed um and so and i approach each movie very differently mm -hmm. you know it depends on what the, the script is and what the movie is and the content now you've been doing marvel for a decade from the beginning like iron man one is that kind of where how did that how did that happen you know, um, I don't really know exactly how it happened because none of us really understood what was going to happen. Sure. But um, 
to me at that time, it was just another really cool, big action movie. And, um, and so I just approached it with that big, you know, this summer from Marvel, Mm -hmm. you know, that whole thing that we do. But you should also know that in these, uh, when, when I do these Marvel voices, uh, there's three or four distinct attitudes and voice timbers that I choose from depending on the commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a kid spot, it's going to have a little bit more fun and smile. This summer from Marvel, right? If it's a big epic, you know, Avengers Endgame, you know? So it's all Marvel, but it's a, a different tonality. And so uh, usually when I read a script for Marvel, I'll read it at least three different ways because they'll be using that same copy. If we're focusing on um, a female in the movie and they're going to try to buy a demographic that is mostly female, then it becomes uh, sometimes a more emotional, uh, heroic kind of thing than just what we would do if they were buying a sports uh, thing and trying to get uh, you know, men in their twenties, you know, mm-hmm. where everything's getting blown up. So, you know, so they definitely, so you're getting, you're getting that information as, as kind of a motivated or a, a help to define. Yeah. Well, when they're directing me, they'll say, Hey Scott, this is a kid spot. Okay. But we're all, we're also going to use it, you know, f- so that I have my regular kind of middle Marvel voice, uh, this summer from Marvel. And then there's the more this summer from Marvel. And then there's this summer from Marvel. You know, it's yeah. like, so each one's different. Each one has a different feel and tone and, and demographic. And so I think once they, they realized that I had some flexibility in my sound, mm-hmm. that they were going to need a voice that could sell to all the demographics. And so... Yeah, it's just the biggest blessing. I mean, I love the Marvel films, uh, but you know, I'm also the voice of many of the Academy Award yeah. films. You yeah. know the, you know, and now nominated for four Academy Awards: Phantom Thread, yeah. Dunkirk, what you know, whatever. So I, I get to do kid spots, funny spots. I just finished a comedy called "Isn't It Romantic," and and uh, you know. I get to do comedy spots and that's a whole different voice, you know, isn't it romantic, you know? Um, and then drop <laughs> the, the way, you, the way you turn it on, it's like a, like a soundboard app. It's Seriously, like, It's like, just like hitting a button. <laughs> yeah. In a world. Yeah. I still want to hear the emotional one though. Like if it's a, if it's captain Marvel or you're going after the, the young twenties, female demographic, what's that? This summer, a hero arise. A hero will rise. One woman will change the world. You know, it just has more of a, you know, so, and and I don't have a piece of copy in front of me and I'm, you know, I, I don't remember every script, but, uh, sometimes they will, uh, make sure that the copy is written appropriately for that demographic as well. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, it's just like in life. You know, there's different emotions that come out and your voice changes. You know, if you're sad, if you're happy, you know, if you, if you smile, it's gonna, it comes through the voice. Yeah. And so 
we just use all those tools to help really uh, convey the message. Because it's interesting, our business, a lot of people don't think about it, but we're part of your lives. Right. <laughs> we're in your cars. We're we were talking on about your this phones. Today. Mm -hmm. and, and so it is fascinating, even to me, when I meet voice people that I know their voices, but then I get to meet them, I'm fascinated. It's like, mm -hmm. wow, that's what you look like, right? <laughs> That's awesome, you know? Didn't see that coming. And many times it's shocking because you have a picture of what you think that voice is. I'm sure right now a lot of people are maybe doing that with me, you know, yeah. because they go, oh, I know that voice. I know yeah. who that guy is. But um, anyway, I forgot where that was all going. Well, we were talking about this today. Like there's this, there's this odd thing about um, you talking about being in everyday life. Um, it's almost as if like the, the VOs and trailers and things like that, you, you don't want them to be, they can't be too there, right? They can't be too obvious, but they also have to help move the trailer along. So it's almost like there's this, you find the, the right voice at the right balance that helps move the trailer along in a way that doesn't take you away. Like, so did you just uh, perceive that or did you actually read that somewhere? No, I perceived it totally. Okay, so that is such an intuitive perception because that is exactly the case. Yeah. Um, we are just there as one of the tools. Right. Like the graphics, like the music. Absolutely. Like the actors to just help tell the story. But the interesting thing that's, that's uh, one of the biggest trends that's happened in trailers, almost from the time that I got into it, was that the actual trailers in the theaters used to have guys telling you what, what was gonna happen next, thing. the whole thing, yes, right? right. And I came into trailers at a time where trailers were really, the voice part of trailers were going away. Mm. It's very rare that you hear my voice in a theater anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm always, I always love it. If I'm, I, I did a, a Disney nature trailer recently and I was in the theater and it came on and I was like, man, I haven't heard my voice in a theater. But because of that, because they realize that they can tell that story in two, maybe two and a half minutes without a voice, you, c you absolutely need uh, a voice to help, or, or a narrator. We're really, the, the people in our world call us narrators yeah, for the, right. the TV spots. Okay. We are there just to help connect the dots in the story. So we're not the star of the trailer by any means. Totally. We are just there to help create an emotion, to get you to that next point, to fill in the blanks. And uh, so that's really a great perception because a lot of people, and this is what I find with people that are uh, wanting to do the kind of work that I do, is that it's finding that place, that medium kind of middle ground where it's not too much, mm. but it's enough. It's enough to make the point, and it's enough to carry the story. And sometimes it's just appropriate uh, not to have a voice, mm -hmm. you know. And 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 then I just do the title and tag at the end. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I just hear myself on. I'll be watching the spot, and I'll, you'll just hear me going rid of PG thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, oh, that was good work. <laughs> that was two days of fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, but occasionally I get to do some really nice stuff. I just did the Rocket Man.
campaign. Yeah, we watched that. That yeah. was great. And so I've got some dialogue, or I've, I've got some copy in there, and I got some words that I get to say and help really carry that story along. Mm -hmm. And so I love to do that. I'm a storyteller. Yeah. And so, but sometimes it's just you don't need it. So yeah. But anyway. Okay. That, oh, sorry. I just want to ask real quick. What's it been like with the the evolution of trailers in terms of popularity and also it's a dual question um same with voiceover talent and their popularity rise so in the 90s trailers were a big deal for my brother and i you couldn't find them online you'd go to the theaters you'd watch them at the theaters we love trailers yes we talked about that they've changed uh but it seems like when you when we used to say the word trailers in the 90s people are like what you mean the previews we're like yeah the previews but it now today, I mean, you've got the Apple trailers app. Um, you can watch, I mean, r releases of trailers are a big deal. Um, you have access to all of them. I, I just, to me, it seems like trailers are more popular today than they definitely were in the nineties. Absolutely. And voiceover talent today seems to be more popular than it was in the nineties. Rob Paulson, yeah. Townsend Coleman, people like start to know these names and follow these people on Twitter and want yeah. to know more about their lives and want to see them on Comic Con panels and things like that. Yeah. So what's that been like too? Because voiceover, I'm sure, again in '90s, '80s, you weren't necessarily famous; you were just the voice. Exactly. You know, except for voiceover nerds like me who were well aware <laughs> exactly. of the guys that were doing stuff. Right. And it's so funny, Rob and and uh, Townsend and I really came up together and uh those are two buddies of mine that i love and just both great guys but it's also fun for me to have watched them from the time they got to hollywood to see all the cool stuff that they were, have been able to do mm -hmm. and uh and like uh townsend i don't know if you know but he was the voice of nbc for did you know that mm -hmm. yeah yep. so for probably 15 years doing yeah. must-see TV and all that mm -hmm. whole stuff. And and Rob has done so many cool things, Animaniacs yeah. and, you know. But anyway, but you were talking about popularity. Yeah, <clears throat> just the shift in popularity, yeah. So here's what I'm going to say to you what's really interesting. Today, more people see the trailer. And when we, t when we say the word trailer... We still call the TV spots, I mean, they're TV spots, but it is the trailer industry. Mm -hmm. Even though, you know, the same people that are creating the trailers for the theaters and many times the posters and all of that stuff, they're all the same marketing teams. So, um, but more people see the trailers than, than see the movies. So, and a lot of people don't think about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we're trying to get them to come and see the movies, but. You know, my mom is probably not going to go see Avengers Endgame, but she will call me and say, hey, I heard you on that Avengers, right? So yeah. she, mm -hmm. so there's all the demographics see the stuff, and we do have to tell the story. You know, we don't give away the endings, and we hopefully, but more people see the trailers and the TV spots than actually see the film. So it's it, it's very interesting. And because now, like you were saying, you whatever trailer you want to see you, you can just go see it right now mm -hmm. you know you and i right now could pick any movie that's ever been made you know and go see that you know look at it on our phones and see it and it's just a fascinating time where the content is just there 
So, but because of that, so much competition for your eyes mm -hmm. and for your dollars to come. So it's made the trailer industry really have to uh, step it up and really it has to look like something absolutely special. And then I wanna just talk about your uh, question about the voiceover thing. Like when I was a kid, nobody had ever like even seen a picture of a voiceover person, mm -hmm. right? It was just like, that was just like, you know, a guy in the orchestra or whatever. And so I have been there for the, the rise in popularity of, of voiceover and people being fascinated by that. And for me in the early days, I had to kind of seek these people out. You know, I had to figure out where they were and who they were and, and go meet them and, you know, have lunch with them. And I couldn't just go on the internet and hear interviews with right. all my favorite voice actors. Mm -hmm. and, and so I had to work at it because I was fascinated by mm -hmm. it. And so the, it's been interesting to see the popularity. It's good and bad because sometimes it takes away that mystery a bit. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it, you know, one of the things that we always think about is that we don't want to be overexposed. Mm. Interesting. You so know? You're consciously thinking about that. Yeah. Like people would, would be surprised that sometimes um, if I'm on three horror movies, you know, I don't want to be just the horror guy and then you don't want to be overexposed as the horror guy but to have you know one great horror movie a year like i did um it oh yeah which is one of my favorites i've ever done you know yeah um it's great and and uh so to to do that stuff occasionally and not get overexposed in a single you know uh, genre is good, but um, <clears throat> I think it's become kind of an acceptable thing. But in the old days, our cl clients weren't so keen on us going out and doing interviews, and and you know nobody had really ever seen Dawes Butler's face before, even mm -hmm. though he had done hundreds of characters. Mel Blank was a different story because Mel had been you know on TV as a sidekick, and mm -hmm. people knew who he was, and. But a lot of us were very guarded about, <clears throat> especially in those early days, about exposing uh, our our faces or doing interviews. Mm -hmm. And do, uh, will it bring you back for this the sequel? Because do they think in that terms? Like we had this voice for the the first one. Let's keep the ball rolling. Like, it depends. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they'll compl they'll change creative teams and oh, it'll go okay. to a new creative team or all the people that were working on that movie have either left or ascended to higher places. Mm -hmm. And, um, hmm. you know, uh, this is a true story. I don't know if I get in trouble for this story, but oh, these are good. Um, <laughs> you know, two people that I worked with in the early days at trailer houses, um, have gone on to huge heights. Right. And so, literally the right before avengers endgame was opening up i think it was midnight and the president of walt disney movie marketing and the vice president who i've known since they were in you know not those they were editors and things were literally directing me <laughs> and directing my session 
that's how important this this uh wow. this, this movie was to them like everybody takes it like so seriously and you know here these guys are up at you know one o'clock in the morning editing to make sure that so we all take take it very seriously i don't know why i answered a question that wasn't asked but <laughs> enjoy it <laughs> but but i am curious about that like do you so i remember the hype of the the anticipation of that trailer coming out yeah i oh mean people gosh. are like is it going to be today it wasn't today dang it is it going to be today it yeah. was, and i remember it was like week after week they're like this is it the, the trailer's going to drop today yep. we know it and it didn't drop they're like man when is disney going to give us the next one what's up with Marvel? like if you looked on reddit people were just flipping out when's the trailer coming out mm -hmm. so when you did record the trailer like did, were you I mean, I'm sure the non-disclosures and stuff. I mean, do you actually get to see it? Do you get to see it weeks before? No, you're just doing the voice? Okay. Mm -hmm. You're doing the voice without seeing any of the of the footage? Yeah, no, I don't see the footage. Okay. Um, if I'm really, really lucky, um, they'll have a cut where I can hear what the action is. and But I will always ask, what is the music? Okay. Because that helps set the tone. Totally. If, it, if it's sweeping orchestral, then I know that the, this is going to be a prestigious spot. If it's just kind of a drone and not music at all, I know it's going to be kind of intense and thriller-esque. And so I always ask, what, what's the music that you're using? You know, mm -hmm. and, and it helps set my brain to whatever voice tone that would be. Uh, more lately... In the old days, we didn't get anything because mm -hmm. we were the first thing recorded and then they would cut to us. And um, But m more lately, they'll say, hey, would you like to hear the spot? And I'll say, yes, I'd love to. And so they'll have you know a temp voice in there, which is just somebody around the office or something, and they'll play me the spot. And I get to hear the emotion of the actors and the what we call SOTs, the sound on tape and all that stuff. And so... So it just is really, really helpful, um, but I don't see anything. Hmm. I just don't get to. Hmm. But um, yeah, and in the trailer business, as opposed to the promo business, the promos uh, for television, like when I'm doing Shark Tank next on ABC, those spots are already built. Mm -hmm. So they've left me just enough room to get into those spots, so they're not recutting the spots. Mm -hmm. But with the, the movie trailer folks, uh, they will take a line and they'll adjust the cut to mm -hmm. what I've done uh, or one of the other guys. Do you do the whole Shark Tank show or is that or no. the spots? Okay. I'm just the promo voice. So my friend Phil is the uh, announcer Phil. and he, he's awesome. And, um, but you know, uh, promos is, is been a huge part of my life as well. As sure. soon as I started doing the, uh, you know, the movie trailers, the network started. So I, I literally have done promos on every network. Uh, at the same time, you could turn on ABC and hear me, then go to CBS and hear me, and then, you know, the CW and hear me. And and still, I, I work for ABC and Fox and uh, the CW. I've been doing that show, Supernatural. Mm -hmm. You guys ever seen that? It's yeah. Oh, yeah. For many years. Yeah, yep. very long time. <clears throat> So that's a whole different voice, you know, that's yeah. like supernatural, you know, it just has a, a breathiness to it. And, Gosh. and as opposed to, um, extreme makeover home edition next on ABC, right. Yeah. Or shark tank, the sharks are in a frenzy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. So, 
it's it's really just like any other actor taking a role looking at the script and doing what's appropriate you've used the word subtext a couple times and i think the the uh some of what you'd said too about the uh there's the voice element but there's there's all kinds of other backstory however you want to describe it that goes into the right you said character so is that something that you you develop and pitch or mm-hmm. or do you take the direction and then it goes into the Scott Rummel machine and and you get to deliver this so this is like a guitar player yeah who has a bag of tricks okay and he he has these crazy high licks and these beautiful chords and all these things and there's no wrong choice but there may be better choices uh, than other choices but just to, to have that whole bag of tricks there right so the way uh, Dawes Butler really taught me about this I'm wondering if I could recall this moment that we had together I had done a commercial for like Kellogg's or something and I was would bring him the the script and I think the copy was something like, um, I love Saturday mornings, the smell of my mom baking in the kitchen, uh, freshly mowed grass, and my dog Rover barking somewhere in the distance. Okay? So Dawes was teaching me about subtext, and he said, you know, by touching one word in that, that thing, you can tell a whole story. And so he he said, I love Saturday mornings, the smell of my mom baking in the kitchen, freshly mowed grass, and my dark my dog Rover barking somewhere in the distance. Well, just by the way he touched the word somewhere, he told you all about his dog. His mm-hmm. dog runs through the neighborhood, everybody loves him. I know he'll come home. I'm not worried about him, right? Mm. Just by going somewhere in the distance, like mm. he'll be back, right? And so I think that was one of the first times that I understood that the way you touch a word can really change its meaning and tell a story and that every word's important. And I know this is really nerdy, but this is what we do. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm going to say the word terrifying, how do you think I'm going to say it? Well, terrifying. Yeah. You know, (laughs) you know, sheer terror or whatever. Or if I'm going to say the word family. You know, family, you know, because it's going to mean something unless it's a scary family. And then I'm going to say family, you know, (laughs) (laughs) whatever it is. But the words should sound like what they are. Right. So those are all things that we learn too to bring subtext. It's all very subtle. And it's like I'm sure it's like when a guitar player hits a certain note and bends it a certain way and every other guitar player goes, Wow, that is the coolest. How did you bend it like that? You're right. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with us. Yeah. It's all these little tools that we have put into our tool bag over the years that we go, oh, I know, I can use this one. And then we pull it out yep. and try well, it. Well, it's all about trying to make a difference or make an impression with like 20 words, right? Or And sometimes words. less. Yeah. Sometimes a lot less. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? That's crazy. That's where we were having that conversation. We watched one, I think it was one trailer for... Uh, I don't know if it was Captain Marvel or not, but you really only had like three or four words. Mm-hmm. And then you had the, the opens Friday. Yeah. You know? yeah <laughs> like right. it was, and so we were like, how there's so much that that's already in that, but it's literally the, the four or five words that were there were a 
just an element to help move it along. Mm -hmm. Well, um, here's a secret that I can tell you about that. When I looked at that script, there was a lot more than four or five words on it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what words they're going to use. Oh, okay. Sometimes when they get the cut, they don't have a word for, uh, room for a line. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I'm not sure what it is they're going to use. And many times they Frankenstein one, I'll read on one commercial and they like that line from that commercial. Yeah. So they'll take it over and put that line in another totally. commercial. So, you know, that's why every word is important and every line, because sometimes I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be awesome. There's going to be like five great lines in this trailer. And it comes out and it's just one of those lines because that's what they had time for. And by the way, that's all they needed to help tell the story. Right, right. You know? hmm. Has social media uh, made it more difficult or is it just another element? So going from trailers for films or trailer for theaters, TV, and now the social media aspect where it's like, you know, I mean, Endgame was a great example. The In five days in four days, yeah. in three days. Like yeah. it's a repetitive element. Yeah. Has that, I mean, obviously it's more work, but. It's more work, yeah, yeah. it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I wish I would, I wish they would start at in 100 days, in 99 days, in 84 days, you know. The anticipation. But you know they would just have you say 80 and then four and they would cut it together. Right? Yeah. That's right. Oh, we've already got four. Let's yeah. just cut that yeah. one back okay. in four days. Save a little okay. money. But yeah, we love that. Uh, you know, it, it's funny too, you should know uh, a lot of the commercials that we do are in anticipation of what is going to happen. Mm -hmm. Like I think, before I, uh, I don't know if I want to tell these secrets. Anyway. Feel free, don't, if you don't uh, want to let the cat out of the bag. Well, I would just say that they anticipate is now the number one movie two weeks in a row. Oh, sure. Yeah, you're, you're right? bagging some of that early, just in case. And on the Academy Award things, you know, we never know what the nominations or wins are going to be. So, and now Phantom Thread is nominated for 10 Academy Awards. Eight Academy Awards, <laughs> seven Academy Awards. You know, it, it, yeah, it's like the and Super then, Bowl champion T-shirt set. Yeah, don't right? Exactly. Ever come out. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly like, right. like, like, uh, what, what else? I had read about that where they, where they. Oh, I, a friend of mine who worked in printing, that they, they would already have designed certain covers based on potential events. Of someone's passing, oh, so like of course, yeah. they'd have that already because they want to be the first one to get it out to the printer and out in front of everybody. Or if somebody had been dating for a while, you know, like we're going to print the cover, we're going to have it designed for their wedding. Mm -hmm. So that as soon as it gets announced, we can be the first one to press that. Oh, yeah. Brad and Jennifer are engaged. It's already in the hopper, ready to mm -hmm. go. Okay. So, but you guys would just laugh at how many times we've done these anticipa anticipation spots. And then they announced the Academy Awards or the Golden Globes or whatever. And the one number that we didn't record <laughs> is the number that they, you know, anticipated or that they got oh, yeah. chosen. Yeah, yeah, it'll be more than so, two. We don't so need I get those, I literally get those early morning calls after they announced going, we need Scott right now, you know. Yeah. Now nominated for 14 Golden Globe, you know, or whatever it is. Uh, I did, <clears throat> So th this, this just came up, and, and I guess this is more trailer related but i'd love to hear about aquaman too but um the i am the born ruler of atlantis yes there you go yes. i um, am aquaman so have you heard about the sonic the hedgehog trailer that just came out yes 
and the power of a trailer and the power of the internet, the outcry of what Sonic looked like. And within a day, the director's like, we heard you, we heard your concerns and we're going back to the drawing board with the animation of Sonic. Mm -hmm. Like the trailer was out. He's the character. Yeah, you're talking about the, the power of a the trailer. The power of a trailer Negative on the response. internet. Yep. And their response to it was, all right, we heard you. We're going to make this change before this movie comes out because well, now not, we're scared. It's not just a change. It's yeah. literally the, the character looks wrong. Yeah. And so we're going to go back and change yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, that is crazy. Anyway. So, which is interesting because every one of these uh, trailers is tested. Mm -hmm. They do test audiences in Vegas. Uh, they do, uh, they grab people in Vegas because they're from all over the country so mm -hmm. they can get a good sampling. There should and, be a place in the Venetian, right? Is yes. it still there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, so you could go and watch a trailer, answer some questions. They give you some movie mm -hmm. tickets mm -hmm. or whatever. And so it's all tested, but it doesn't, you know, sometimes it's shocking. Uh, I can tell you about, do you guys remember a movie called Kangaroo Jack? Yes. Mm -hmm. Do you? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> so we did this campaign for Kangaroo Jack for this movie. Uh, and it was just testing terrible, right? And so guess what they decided to do? They put a kangaroo in that movie. That whole kangaroo that was in the movie the Shut whole time up. was not in the movie. Stop it. Before they were planning on releasing that movie. Okay. So they went back and I think it was something like 2 million bucks or something, which was a lot of money back then. Based on testing, this movie was just going to tank. And so they pulled everything, went back into the drawing board and made that animated kangaroo. Okay. Which was, if I remember right, I vaguely remember the kangaroo was almost kind of like the gopher in Caddyshack, right? Totally. Yeah. yeah. It was just like an added, that's fascinating. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. So <laughs> they listened to these test audiences. Yeah. By the way, I test uh, really well with women. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I'm super proud of. We were also talking about how sometimes, uh, you know, a lot of actors will do voice oh, work yeah. for this animation. Is... Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes it works well. Um, but other times, like I think we were talking about, like Brad Pitt did a, an animated character. Mm -hmm. And I just remember feeling like I never connected to that character mm -hmm. at all. And so do you ever do coaching or have you ever listened to a voice and thought, oh, like if he had done this or if she had done this, it would have it maybe would have connected better. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a lot less critical than some, some folks. I try to f figure out, I don't know what exact thing you're talking about, but, um, I know that a ton of on-camera actors, uh, many of them who I am friends with or whatever, who do voiceover, they absolutely love it because it takes them to a whole new realm that mm -hmm. they can't do in physical form. Mm -hmm. You know, they can do just the craziest fun stuff and put themselves in situations that you could never find in a real film. So, um, and then they love doing commercials. Um, it's a way to make great money. And, and there's a science behind the celebrities doing this stuff because like, it's interesting. I replaced Tom Selleck as the voice of, uh, AT&T and a lot of people didn't even know it was Tom Selleck but what they knew subconsciously was that they liked and trusted this voice mm -hmm. have you ever borrowed a book 
from thousands of miles away. And the company that'll bring it to you, AT&T. Right? Because that's what they're paying for. There's a credibility and a trust factor. Mm. So you you will hear, you know, Donald Sutherland doing yep. the orange juice commercial. And, you know, who whoever it is sitting at home may not even know that it's Donald Sutherland, but they hear that voice that they've been hearing for 50 years totally. and they go, I like that orange juice, you yeah. know? And so smart celebrities, uh, audiences, all yeah. that stuff. And John Cusack's been doing a ton of oh, car tons. commercials. Yeah. And it took me a second when I heard him like, Oh, it's John Cusack. Yeah. <laughs> John Hamm is the voice of uh, Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so those of us that are kind of in the know and love this stuff, but you know, kind of Joe Blow sitting at home, he doesn't know, mm-hmm. but he does know that there's some sort of credibility that he has with that, that voice he's hearing. So that's worth paying for. Mm-hmm. And um, so those guys can make a lot of money on uh, like one good campaign, you know. You know, in my early days, just going back to some of the movie stuff, uh, when I got my first commercial agent was ICM, which is a big agency, right? And as a movie fan... You know, part of like the beyond the back lot is like being at a gas station and you're pumping gas next to Sylvester Stallone or whatever. But mm-hmm. first time I went in for an audition, uh, Robert Loggia, you know, oh, yes, is? come on. Scarface. Yep. Scarface okay. big. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm sitting next to Robert Loggia, yeah. my first commercial audition at That's my agency. Awesome. Right. And so, and it becomes the whole town of Hollywood was really like a campus where you would see all kinds of different folks all the time. What was weird about that was that was my first commercial audition. Uh, and then my first commercial where I got Taft Hartley to be in the Screen Actors Guild uh, was uh, for Oral-B toothbrushes. And the guy that I was working with was Paul Schnarr. Do you know who that was? No. Oh. That was Robert Loggia's boss and the guy that ran the whole cartel oh okay scarface. scarface okay so there was like this scarface connection early <laughs> yeah. on like i was running into scarface people and you know <clears throat> i felt at any moment you know al pacino would say say hello to my little friend <laughs> you know kill me or something but it, it was just fun being in hollywood and i was like a kid in a candy store mm-hmm. you know it was just like this is I love the movie magic and you know, you just never knew you'd be at a, you know, at a restaurant and Tom Cruise would be sitting, you know, just right over there. Or, um, I remember I was at Raleigh studios. Um, I did a show over at Raleigh studios, Kevin Costner, who, uh, went to Cal state Fullerton. Mm -hmm. Did you know that? I didn't know that. So yeah, Kevin Costner went to Cal state Fullerton and then he went up, and became a grip at Raleigh Studios, and that was his education in film, or part of it, a big mm. part of it. So when he actually started making movies, uh, Raleigh Studios is like one of the oldest lots, and it's a c- really cool lot. It's right across the street from Paramount. And um, <clears throat> so I was doing this show, and I was walking to where I was. I said hello to this security guard who was walking around, and then I noticed this green Mustang and I was like, oh, that is cool. It's like a Mach 1 green Mustang. Then I noticed that the license plate said crash. 
I'm like, holy smokes, this is the car from Bull Durham. Oh, my gosh. Right? It's yeah. just sitting right there. Yeah. So I say to the security guard, I say, is this the Bull Durham car? What's it doing here? He goes, oh, they gave that to Kevin after he finished the movie. And right then, Kevin Costner walks up and goes, get away from my car. <laughs> and I thought he was serious. And the security guard like grabbed him and said, no, Kevin, we're going to try to steal it or whatever. And so it's just a weird thing. Mm -hmm. Like Kevin Costner is standing there. And so then I introduce myself and tell him that I'm from Orange County and, you know, Cal State Fullerton and my wife went there. And, and it's just like, they're just normal folks yeah. and that's just the work that they do. But, mm -hmm. it, you know, it's just so cool to be in those situations and especially as a movie fan, Yeah, you know? That's been fun hearing from you a little bit because, again, this all came out of being fans of movies, but but also not just fans of the films, but everything that goes into it, the people behind it, the places that become iconic as a result. And so all of us tend to find ourselves when we're on vacation or we're out and about, like we're always looking, which is, again, where all this kind of came mm -hmm. from. It'd be like, hey, let's do more of this. But you yourself kind of have a little bit of that as well. Yeah, wherever I travel... Yeah. I find I I try to find what movies were filmed there, and then go to those locations and find them, and just think it's the coolest thing. I love to find iconic movie locations, and you can find them everywhere. Mm -hmm. They're they're literally in every city, yep. right? But what was super fun for me when I started working in Hollywood was actually um, like on the lots. So I would like finish my voiceover job or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I would sneak out and, you know, I had a pass. So I would go explore the back lots and the sets. And it was just fascinating. It's, and one of the coolest things is to be on a back lot all by yourself. There's mm. like yeah. nobody else there. And you're just like walking in these cool streets. And, you know, it's, uh, I, I was cast as the town disc jockey on a show called Webster. You guys Yo, I remember Webster, that, absolutely. Right? So I remember Gosh, driving onto the so. Paramount lot for the first time through those beautiful Paramount gates, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I had a dressing room, had my name on it. And, you know, it was just like, is this really, can this really be happening? Am I really at this place? And I think it's because it, these places are so well guarded and you can't just go there. It's not like you can mm -hmm. just go, oh, I want to go there and, you know, and then have kind of free reign to walk around and stuff. So there's these kind of guarded, magical, it's almost like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory and they just open the gates for you yes. and you get to walk in and yes. see, see all this stuff. Another funny Paramount story. Have you guys been to the Paramount lot? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, that big wall that, uh, they paint the sky on. Yeah. Yeah. It had the pool in front of it. So yeah, that, um, big. Uh, area they used for parking when they're not shooting right so i was working there one day and uh i parked down and then i was walking up this little ramp to get out of the pool area right and this green jaguar comes around so fast and literally i had to jump out of the way and i fell back down that ramp and skin myself up <laughs> oh my and i'm laying there you know after you fall you're just yeah. like what in the yeah, world like a self-check right <laughs> literally and then this this guy comes over and he's like are you okay are you okay and it's patrick stewart <laughs> so 
I've just had this trauma, right? And now Captain Kirk is standing over me <laughs> asking me if I'm okay. So these are things that don't happen in, you know, uh, your Belinda, California, where I grew up. You know, it's like... Number one, get in my band-aid. Exactly. He's like, uh, can, I, can I help you? Can I take you somewhere? And I'm like... Uh, yeah, if you could beam me over to the uh, take me to med center. Bay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, take me to the Dr. Crusher can help me out, please. Like, just keep it going. And he's like, oh, forget you. I'm on it. One day, one, one day I was at Universal. And uh, we used to go to the studios. And as I mentioned, I like to uh, go into the, you know, to the theme park. I, I used to take my boys up to uh, Hollywood during the summers with me. So if I was doing a job at Universal, we'd kind of sneak into the park and ride a couple rides or something. But I remember one day I was, uh, I was walking over towards the back lot and there was this woman walking toward me and I was like, what? who is that? And she was dressed like as a caveman and she was carrying a dog and it was Elizabeth Taylor carrying oh. her little dog and she was doing the Flintstone movie. Oh, oh my gosh, yes. Just crazy stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, yeah, oh, there's Elizabeth was, uh... Taylor dressed as a caveman carrying her dog walking to her trailer, right? I mean, these are things that for me as a movie guy, yeah. it's just fascinating. Yeah, yep. you know? it's so just... I was on uh, the Warner Brothers lot, the, the, uh, the, not the main one, the alternate one mm -hmm. where the Friends Fountain is and things like that. I can't remember which one it's called, but... Anyway, there was a star wagon. I'm like, ooh, I'm going to peek my head inside and just, I want to see a star wagon. And I start to walk in and it's Johnny Knoxville just sitting on the floor. <laughs> they, were, they were filming Dukes of Hazard, And I like genuinely was shocked that there was somebody even in there. And I'm like, I am so sorry. And I'm like, it's Johnny Knoxville. I'm saying I'm sorry too. Like, I felt so stupid. But, but then afterwards, I'm like, that was awesome. Like, I totally, yeah. you know, there's like this bragging rights of like, yeah, I walked in on Johnny Knoxville well, like his said, uh, sky I, wagon. I always approach them as people. Like, my wife can't, my wife, uh, when I when I see people, I will talk to them because I, I approach it the same way. Like, there's people. Like, I don't, don't talk to them. I mean, I'm not going to like fawn over it or I'm not going to be asked. For, I don't even really ask for autographs. I just love to be able to say, ah, I met so-and-so last night. They were really cool. They were really fun. They had you know, and, and to banter briefly back and forth. And you can kind of tell sometimes when it's like, okay, that conversation's over. All right, cool. I'm not going to press it anymore. But I always, it's always fun to do like you bump into somebody. And it's like, Hey, I really appreciated your work in that. Da, 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 da. Like, oh, thanks. Who did you see from SNL that you jumped on the elevator with them and just Tim ditched, Meadows. ditched your wife? Tim Meadows. <laughs> Tim Meadows. Totally. Yeah. We were going to see, uh, Adam Sandler and, uh, a bunch of other former SNL guys. And so we were walking to the hard rock casino as we're walking in to go to the theater. I see Tim Meadows come out of the elevator and start walking and we're kind of in stride. And I just, <laughs> just took, I walked and my wife was like walking this way. And she looked and I was gone and I walk over and I'm like, Hey, uh, Tim Meadows. He's like, yeah, man. I was like, Hey, we're going to see you tonight. You're sure we're looking forward to it. Doesn't, you know, he's like, Oh, thanks man. Uh, well, I'm going to go uh, grab a drink. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Well, and so he walked off this way and I, and I turned around and my wife is gone. <laughs> and I look over and she's standing over like, like, are you done? <laughs> So, and that's another thing is about that kind of etiquette. I mean, if you normally would say something to somebody just to be nice or friendly mm -hmm. or whatever, good morning, hello. But you, you find yourself riding elevators with stars, you mm -hmm. know, and it's like, you know, if it's early in the morning and stuff, the last thing they want is to, sure. you know, and even if you're, 
even if you love their body of work or whatever, mm-hmm. sometimes you just gotta, you know, let them have their space. Yeah, yeah. especially it, in a bathroom. All right, yeah. let's just be honest. No, no, <laughs> nobody wants to have a conversation about their film standing in a urinal next to somebody. <laughs> like I remember reading for the voice of Honda and sometimes they're trying to decide if they're going to go celebrity, but I literally am sitting there and Richard Dreyfus is sitting across from me looking at the coffee, right? I'm like, how, how in the, how can I compete with this? Right? Yeah. So I would, I would be in these situations and generally, uh, you know, if you have something to talk about, do you remember John Tesh? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. He was the host of Entertainment Tonight. Yes. So and I'm going to tell you a story. Player. And syndicated radio, like yeah. massive. But okay. So he had this show, Entertainment Tonight, mm-hmm. that was on, right? So I'm at an audition, and there's this blonde guy sitting across from me, and his hair is kind of messy. He has a white t shirt on and jeans, and I think sandals. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I know this guy. I know this guy from somewhere. And so I go, I, I know you. I think, did we go to high school maybe? Where'd you go to high school? He goes, no, I don't think we went to high school. He <laughs> <laughs> was really nice, but he's like, I, are you, I said, are you from Orange County? He's like, no, no, I'm not from Orange County. <laughs> so then it hits me. This is John Tesh, the host of Entertainment Tonight, right? And I go to him, I say, I just thought of it. It's that nightly national TV show that you host. I think that's where I know you from. And he starts laughing. He goes, I thought that's what it was, but I didn't want to say anything, right? But he was just so, you know, you always saw him in a suit with the hair perfect and everything. And now, you know, but they're just folks, you know? And so that, you know, I try to, you know, if I really do think I know somebody or something, um, or if I really am uh, somehow their work touched me not that i just like it or whatever because you know people hear that all the time oh i love that you you Mm -hmm. did this and and you were mentioning aquaman earlier um uh because i i i never really had any kind of fans at all before aquaman i had no Mm -hmm. idea what i was getting into uh when i became the voice oh by the way the person that answered the phone at Hanna-Barbera that gave me Dawes Butler's phone number mm-hmm. was the Andrea Romano who cast me as the voice of Aquaman in the Justice no League series. How full is, circle. Is that crazy? That is wild. So Andrea has won like so many Emmys and she's just awesome. But anyway, you, you guys will like this story, I think. Because uh, I had been at... This, I was doing, I think, AT&T or something for a couple of years, and it was the studio that uh, Mark Hamill was doing the Batman series, mm-hmm. and he was doing the Joker. So I would see Mark all the time, like, in the lunchroom and say hello, and he was fascinated that I did kind of the movie stuff and everything, and, and just great, normal, you know, it's like, you know, what's on TV right now? Would there be a TV on or something? What's on the news? And, uh, you know, in that situation, I, I, I wouldn't even mention Star Wars. I, you know, it's just like, no, it's just like he's mm-hmm. a person totally. he's at his job. You're not going to go, man, I really loved you in Star Wars. Oh, really? How original. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> he's just a guy. And so, but here's where it got crazy. So I, I went over to Warner Brothers and read for 
Aquaman and they cast me. So it's my first day on this cartoon series. And I hadn't done a ton of cartoon work. I had played some roles in Rugrats, mm -hmm. if you ever watched mm -hmm. that show. Um, and uh, so now I'm the voice of a superhero, right? And so this is kind of a, this is a big deal. My boys were at the perfect age where it was gonna be cool for them. Mm. Uh, that their dad was like on this show and, and stuff. And so I go to the uh, studio and Mark Hamill is cast as Solomon Grundy on the first episode. And <clears throat> Mark comes over to me immediately when I get there. And he like gets kind of close to me and he goes, Scott, how much do you know about Aquaman? I'm like, uh, I know how he sounds. And he goes, do you know anything? Do you know how Atlanta sank? Do you know about his evil brother Orm? Do you know any? And he starts going on and on because no he is so awesome with the historic knowledge of comics, right? And I, it was just amazing. He was telling me all this stuff. So he looks at Andrea and he says, Andrea, I need a half an hour with Scott before we can record. And she's like, Mark, Scott's gonna be okay. He, you know, he knows the, the scripts and he's gonna be good. She goes, you can talk to Scott up until the time that we're ready to record. And literally he just starts telling me every fact about Aquaman and it's just, Dude, it's so just cool. crazy. And then, so I'm hearing this, but I'm also taking myself out of this and seeing it from above where Luke Skywalker is literally giving me an education about this comic book hero. And I can't even make sense of it. It's just like, it's the craziest thing. Like, you know, I was front row at the Fox Theater in Fullerton, first two seats watching Star Wars. And if somehow I could have had a peek into the future that Luke Skywalker would have been lecturing me about Aquaman's history oh a few years gosh. later. Oh, man. So, I, you know, and this stuff happens in, in our business. And so it was so fun. But the thing about the fan thing I was going to tell you is if you, you know, Googled Scott Rummel before, you, you couldn't find anything really. But once I was Aquaman, it was crazy. Yeah. It was, you know, four pages of Aquaman stuff Scott Rummel, Aquaman, Aquaman, Aquaman. So then they invited me to Comic-Con to sign autographs. Now, I didn't even know what Comic-Con was because mm. I, I wasn't really huge into the comic uh, stuff. I mean, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't like, uh, so I had no idea that there was gonna be 100,000 people at this event. Mm -hmm. And they had invited me to come and sign autographs. And, um, and so I brought my two boys, Taylor and Cooper, down with me. And uh, I was just overwhelmed. There was a two hour line for the cast of um, Justice League wow. to sign. And I, I literally thought I was going to like some comic book convention where I was just gonna sign a few things. It was literally, and then, you know, it was crazy because I had I, I'd never experienced this kind of uh, fan base where they are so intense. I literally had one guy walk up to me and he said, um, um, okay, so like in episode four, you had to cut your arm off. And I said, yeah, yeah, I did. He's like, but uh, what did you use? Because you didn't have a knife and did you use sharp coral? And I'm like, 
Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. That's exactly what I use. Sharp coral. You know, it's just like they're so into every little aspect of it. And uh, so it's, you know, it's that was really a fun thing for me. Now this movie Aquaman is coming out. And I'm thinking, how cool would it be if I got to be the voice of this movie campaign, right? Because that would kind of be another full circle thing. But I didn't want to tell anybody that I had been the voice of Aquaman at Warner's, even though it was a Warner's project. But the people that I was working with, they wouldn't have known that. So I actually, I read for it. I got it. And in the first session, and I waited till we were really done with the session, because I wanted to make sure. I was, you know, the guy. So I said, hey, fun fact. And they go, yeah, what? I said, "Uh, I was the voice of Aquaman on the cartoon series. And they're like, what? No, you weren't. And then I did the whole, you know, born ruler of Atlantis. And they freaked out and thought it was the coolest thing ever. And so they made a big deal out of it every time we did a session for the movie Aquaman, that Aquaman was doing the voice for the movie Aquaman. That's really cool. Dude, that's so and awesome. then the coolest thing happened. My son sent me like a uh, a meme that showed the past voices of Aquaman mm-hmm. or past Aquamans. Yeah. And um, I'm sorry, I can't think of his name, but the the guy the guy who's the act plays the actor on This Is Us. Um, he was the teen version of Aquaman, but it had this meme of Jason Momoa, me, and this guy, right? <laughs> And I'm stuck in the middle of these two guys, right? It's like, one of these things doesn't belong here, you know? <laughs> Past Aquamans, yes. So, Well, I love that you nerd out over all this stuff just as much as we would nerd out over all this stuff. Like, yeah. it's so fun. Mm-hmm. Like, you talking about just, you know, here's Mark Hamill and, you know, I mean, you're nerding out over that moment, even though you're in this you know, you have this professional working relationship. You're, you're yeah. in it. You're yeah. in it. The odds of that happening to you are far greater than those of us where it's not. Exactly. And, and yet you still get to have the same you're joy and experience it. You know? Yeah. I think that's so fun for, for us to hear. And I think fun for the audience to hear too, is that here, yeah, you're, you're a successful working professional and yet mm-hmm. you are still nerding out. And I believe know? a lot of us are that way mm-hmm. uh, because that's why we, went to Hollywood. That's why we wanted to get into this Mm -hmm. business because we were fascinated by it. There are a lot of people that will act like they are just not impressed at all or they're not amazed at certain things. I think deep down inside they are uh, because I know it's every time I walk onto a lot. Now, if you work there every single day and you know, you do start to take it for granted. But if you get to visit that place, you know, a few times a year, it's always like it's like when you were a kid and went to Disneyland a couple times a year. It really is the same kind of thing. You're through the gates. You're in a place that a lot of people don't get to go, and it's just fascinating. And then when they give you that pass, when they put that pass on your your shirt or mm-hmm. you know hang it around your neck, it's like man, I just got the keys to the city. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, I want to ask you a couple like just movie movie fun facts because you obviously love films but give us some of give us a couple of your like favorite films like movies it's, you've, it's... You've... <laughs> again I just needed a small break so I created that distraction yeah. so I could think through your answer uh, you know I'm always it's always crazy for me when people say what is your favorite movie because if you're a movie buff you can't just have one favorite movie. You may have 
um, a movie per genre, mm-hmm. right? But um, okay, so let's let's talk about just movies that come to mind. So in comedy, okay, I, the first movie that I really remember just completely uh, freaking out and laughing over was Steve Martin, The Jerk. Mm. Oh gosh, uh, which it was like this is a near perfect movie for me at that age. So I just loved it. Yeah. And in comedy, I tend to love anything that Will Ferrell does, Anchorman, and probably Anchorman because I actually have known people like that, not necessarily <laughs> news anchors, but just people that have an ego of that level in our business. Mm-hmm. And so it's that was fun. Um, when I think of great dramas, A Few Good Men, mm. um, I love that movie. Um, probably a movie that changed me a lot was life is beautiful oh yeah uh that was a movie that i really needed to see at that time because my kids were my boys were little and that probably really um made me think about what it meant to be a parent mm-hmm. um i love i love captain america like in the marvel movies that's one that i just really love i love um Let's see what else. Um, this is so many. Yeah, I mean, it's just—it's hard to say because, like, when I was a kid, I would have told you probably Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. It's one of my top ten favorite films. Yeah, and still, I love watching I'll it. Watch it. I own it. You know, three different ways. I'll watch it all the time. <clears throat> my daughter's eight, and she watches it all the if time. If you want to view it's paradise, just, yeah, which blew my mind that she would be into. It. I'm like, no way, she's gonna like this movie. So, and she loves it. That is one prop I would love to nail down is the golden ticket. So I, I have one at home. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't have it from that one. I have it from oh, the Johnny Depp okay. one. Okay. Oh, man. Yeah, but, I'm telling but you'll you. get to see that and some Wonka bars. Oh, my gosh. Oh, plastic. man. So, um, you but, talk about a film that just captured every imaginative element for me as a kid. Because I would mm-hmm. go home and I, my, my aunt used to babysit me after she picked me up from school. And she had it on VHS. On beta, actually. She had a Betamax player. And so I would watch it every day. And I memorized it's Tim DeStern. Never, I mean, it just became this film for me that I could not get enough, from the music to all of it. Like, and then I wanted to know everything about it. So did you know the Gene Wilder story about uh, him agreeing to do the movie that he would be able to take some liberties with the script? Yes. And do you know about the opening scene? I don't with know. With him walking out? Yes. With the cane? Uh, yeah. yeah like, that was all his... Yeah, improvised or his, his idea to do, correct? Yeah, but do you know why he did it? No. He did it so that in the very beginning of the movie, so he walks out with the cane, and then all of a sudden he falls forward, does a flip, and pops up. And he did it so that would establish the whole basis of the character that you would not know when Brilliant. and when not yeah. to believe him. Okay. And that one moment, which really set the whole stage, huh. you know? Yeah. And anyway, fascinating. I'm a, like a movie nerd. I love to go in oh and find out gosh. why did he do that? Why did, you know, why did that happen? I love uh, improvisation, the lines that become some of the most iconic movie lines in history. And, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, I'm a... But. I knew I liked you, Scott. I'm, I knew I liked you. When <laughs> you talk about Willie So Wonka. how funny is this? This is the true story. We la- ran into each other at a premiere last night. Right, right, right. Which is, how Hollywood is that? I mean, <laughs> it's like, 
you came up to me and you go, I think you're going to be on my podcast tomorrow. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool, right? It's like, it's just, you know, that's just, that's the world I live in. Yeah. You know, I'm living the dream. Yeah. Meeting people at premieres and then, uh, but I would like to know, oh. uh, I would like to know, like, what are some of your favorite films from the 80s and 90s? Yeah. Like, what are some of the things that, that you guys? So, so you heard Willy Wonka. That was one of my... That's one of my top ten. Um, uh, we've talked about a few of these. Karate Kid was pretty life changing for me. So um, you guys did an interview with Martin Cove. Martin, who I played poker with. Okay, makes total sense. Yeah, <laughs> and actually had dinner with he and his son, and his son is yeah in, Jesse is yeah. in the film business, mm -hmm. and uh, they're gonna. If, but if you know Eddie Deason, then this is yeah. Like, if you knew Eddie Deason, then this is where it really gets weird. Do you yeah. remember Eddie Deason? Uh, you know, the guy talks like that. Yeah. Know? Yeah, so Eddie yeah, he, was one of our first guests. Oh, was he? Yeah. He's one of my Facebook friends. Oh, he's a trip. <laughs> yeah. He was on the Ferris wheel in 1941. Correct. Correct. And yeah, he... And he was in War Games as like the first that's computer right. nerd of yeah. all time in films. That's right. Yeah, so yeah, Eddie and I are Facebook friends and I see his posts all the time and, and stuff. He, yeah, I was awesome. actually going to mention really because he was one of these guys that talked about acting and then kind of got into voiceover work. That's how we connected on Facebook. A lot of my Facebook friends are in the voiceover industry and so that's how we connected. Yeah, he's and got he, an awesome, cool voice. Oh, he's, yeah. his natural voice. And and then when he talks, like the stuff that he's has opened up for him because mm -hmm. of that and he's able to be a working actor again because yeah. his voice is so unique. Yeah, totally. And... Uh, and he was kind of a, a muse of Zemeckis, really is what we mm -hmm. learned. Like mm -hmm. Rob Zemeckis was just a big fan of his. And so that's how he ended up in Polar Express. And yeah, um, which is maybe my favorite trailer I've ever done. Oh, really? It's Polar Express. Yeah, connecting it all. It's <laughs> if you go to my website, I don't know why, but if you were to ask me what is the, my favorite, okay, it's probably Polar Express. I got to say a lot of stuff and there, it was just, uh, the words were beautiful and, uh, yeah, Polar Express was a big uh, moment for me in my career. Uh. And uh, so anyway, if you go, go to scottrummel.com and you can view it there, yeah. I think. Yes, but, <clears throat> definitely. Anyway. Everyone go check but out But Eddie Scotland. Deason, awesome guy. So, but tell me, uh, so like, you know, I, I loved 1941. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you guys did it or not. I, 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 good I tend not to p pick apart stuff. I know it was like, it's kind of goofy, but it was, it was fun. This is fun, you know. It's like every movie doesn't have to be, you know. I love the big popcorn movies like uh, uh, San Andreas. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like big fun. If you go into it with the mindset that okay, you know, this movie's probably not going to change the world, but is it going to be fun to watch? Absolutely. How all this stuff happens. So I, I love all genres. But what are your some some of your favorites? Um, so like Hoosiers was one of my like oh, just Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman um, so I, I am so sad that Gene Hackman is not acting. Mm -hmm. I, I I mean I miss him more I think than any other actor. Yeah. But I agree with you on anything with Gene Hackman. Yeah, I I, I kind of grew up back there. I went my first elementary was in a small town in Indiana, mm. and so uh, when I watched that film. You talk about people that did their homework mm -hmm. of landing locations and, and mm -hmm. giving you that. I went to those games mm. where each school was on each side mm -hmm. and the place was standing room only and the place shook because of the, the cheering and they nailed it. I'm getting goosebumps talking about because they nailed mm -hmm. it. Like, and the casting, like the, the teams that were comprised of the, the, the kid who really wasn't that great, but he was on the team mm -hmm. and who would every now and then have the winning shot. Like they 
pulled all of that together and, and how much basketball meant to those towns. Like okay. everyone had an opinion. Everyone was in on it. They killed that movie. And mm. it's one of those, like if it's on, I own it. But if it's on, I'm already in. Like yeah. I'm just, okay, Hoosiers is on. Where are we at? Okay, all right. Pick yeah. a fence. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting because uh, we all love movies for different reasons that you connected to that from your childhood. Mm -hmm. So somebody else may not feel the same way exactly about that movie, but that movie did something for you mm -hmm. that was really, really special. Yep. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, that's why when you say favorite movie, it's, it's, yeah, it's really so tough because if you have a childhood connection to a movie, mm -hmm. people would never understand mm -hmm. unless they're from your hometown. Mm -hmm. what, yeah. What's your, one of your favorites? Man, you know, it's hard uh, to answer because I would say there's one, that, like I have a favorite almost from like every year, yeah. if that makes sense, right? See, so yeah. like 93 Jurassic Park, no, no mm -hmm. doubt about it. I, like love that movie. I will watch it anytime it's on over and over and over again. But if you go to 95, I'd say Braveheart because mm -hmm. I will watch that movie over and over again. It doesn't matter how many times it's on. Um, so yeah, it's hard. And, you know, I, I would say 98, I want to say Truman Show. I've watched that movie so many times because I love the whole feel of it um so i would say like yeah there's almost like one from each little time period there where so have you been to that town i have not in, in florida. florida i have not been there i'd love to go there um yeah because that that world in truman show just really yeah. captured me and gosh i you know and that was one of those uh screenplays i ended up reading after the fact and there's all these scenes that were cut from the movie that just brought me even more into that world but um, I remember going into that movie thinking it was going to be total Jim Carrey comedy. And I walked out of it like, oh my gosh, this was so yeah. good. So yeah, it's it's hard. It's really hard for me to say. I mean, the 80s, so many greats. I mean, Jaws was my first DVD I ever bought, you know, wore that thing out. Um, so yeah it's, yeah, it's yeah, it's all over the place. I've had time to think about this. <laughs> and so uh, for me, it'd be in the theater. Like, what do I remember seeing mm -hmm. in the theater? And uh, I'm with you, 1977. I'm down at Westminster Mall and Star Wars. Yeah. And it's really the first three minutes of that film yep. just sets the tone. And I'm little, but, you know, I knew something crazy different had happened that I'd mm -hmm. never seen before. So then we fast forward in, in the later part of the 80s. I'm up in Incline Village, small mountain community. Yeah, I know Tahoe. Incline Village. Yeah. 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 And so there's, you know, one theater up there. It's got like 200 seats. And I remember um, Raiders. Mm -hmm. Saw Raiders there, saw E.T. there. Okay. But here's the funniest thing. Um, airplane comes out, mm. right? My brothers go see it. They come home. So there's an early showing, later showing. Got the whole family together, took us all down to go see it. So my whole family is in this little theater packed. And I've never heard a movie theater laugh that loud and hearing my dad just roar above everybody. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's a, that's an amazing movie experience. Yeah. Uh, who so are the I, makers of Airplane, by the way? Because they did uh, Top Secret, which yeah. is a total... Yeah, I, uh, I mean, gosh, man, those movies still stand the test of time, in my opinion. It's just... Yeah, and then the unique thing about that time period is there's this new thing called a VCR. It'd be like two grand for the first one, you know, but you've got it in your house, and then it comes out on tape, and you get to watch it again. Yep. And it was just such a unique. Mm -hmm. oh, I love it. So, are you guys coming over to my house? Yes, we'd yes. love to. And you, you've heard about my house? We've heard rumors yeah. of of Casa so you'll de see Rumble. that the early Disney influences is throughout the house, and uh, also 
I've uh, collected some really fun movie props throughout the years. So I would love to have you guys over and show you around. And yeah, we're excited. I mean, I think the conversation came up because Curtis and I are huge Disneyland nerds, mm -hmm. and uh, we just, I mean, all things Disney. You know, really? And then it came oh, up. Yeah. A couple, oh, then oh, you yeah. guys are gonna freak yeah, out. Yeah, we're gonna totally freak out. Yeah, you know, I mean, I grew up. I, I moved to California when I was eleven from back east, and literally from. From the first month we lived here, I had a Disney pass ever since. So yeah. since 1988, I've had a Disney yeah. pass. When I always we were tell people like, you know, passes are so prevalent now. But when we when I got my first pass, we went to the park. You know, parked in the lot, ten steps to the gate. You mm -hmm. know, and uh, I remember going to the ticket booth and my parents asking, "Hey, we're here to buy the the annual passes." And and the guy was like, "We don't have those." And we're like. No, we we were told that we there's a pass mm -hmm. that gets us in all year, and he's like, oh. "Hey, uh, do we sell annual passes here, John?" Yeah, yeah, they gotta go over by the pet kennel. Okay, all right. Oh uh, well, I guess you guys go to the pet kennel. So we go to the pet kennel, and there's this little old woman. I mean, she's probably in her 80s. Open the door, you know, and and walk in and. And she's like, are you here for your annual passes? And we're like, yeah, I guess so. I totally remember and that so, place. I remember <laughs> everything you're saying. So there was like a little, the old driver license camera, you know, yes. that like who owns that, right? It was like this big with the big square. And so she's like, okay, look at it. And you, you know, take the picture and she takes the picture, literally. Cuts it out. Cuts it out. <laughs> laminates it. Laminates it, runs it through the heater. And Did goes, you okay, keep there's... some of those? Oh yeah. I oh, kept yeah. mine too. Kept them all. Yeah. And she's like, there you go. And literally... 365 days uh parking was included that time all, all of it 88 dollars yeah i remember when it went up to um, 100 and we, we all freaked, freaked out. out we're like a hundred dollars because terry and i got married in 1982 and uh my parents gave us both disney passports uh for christmas every mm -hmm. year and I, I i honestly think that we were paying in 82 like under 70 bucks oh, I'm sure. or something i'm sure and it was like is this crazy and now it is crazy there's a thousand bucks or something no more than that well more than that for like for it that pass for 365 all that kind of stuff it's yeah. like 1200 right, dollars. and that includes now. the parking but you know yeah. um it always makes sense to me because uh you get the the percentage, I think it's 20% off of mm -hmm. uh, merchandise, merchandise and, food. and food and stuff. And so if you go over there and you're, you're using it, then it, mm -hmm. it, it still makes sense. And it still makes it's sense. It's such a fun date. Yeah. Well, and you um, get the free photo pass and things like that too. I mean, we, added we, we, no matter how many times we go, yeah. we, there's always something new that it gives us. Yeah. Like whether it's just an Avengers event that takes place yep. in yep. California adventure, or if it's something in Disneyland that they're doing, like, I mean, we, we, we joke about it, but every time we go, there's something new. Always. So, so last time I so went, it, our, our, a couple of times ago, Cruella DeVille came up and made me dance with her. I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah. that was our new thing for this trip. I you did know? that dance yeah. too. I have a picture of yeah. me dancing with you in front of the fire station. Yeah, in front yeah. of the fire station. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, yeah. raise your hand if you've been to Club 33. Oh, screw you all. Raise your hand if you've been more than once. Uh oh. Um, <laughs> I don't like that part. <laughs> I, have some, uh, I have some Club 33 memorabilia. I'll show you. Oh, too. that's really awesome. Some fascinating stuff. Yeah, I think you, I am so happy. <laughs> I'm still so pissed, sore right? about that. I think you guys are going to just absolutely love it. I wish uh, right now I'm building a 
Tomorrowland suite, and I just bought one of the Rocket Jets. Oh, oh from, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. But it's dude. not, you know, the Rocket Jets, uh, the white ones that used to go around. Uh-huh. So do you go to the auctions and, yeah. and oh, pick yeah. this stuff up? Okay. Yeah, I, I was at one yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah, I got stuff yesterday. I, actually, Saturday was the auction. Yesterday was a Disney show. And I actually bought some cool stuff yesterday. Are, do you but, get into bid wars with other actors or uh, other yeah. celebrities? Because, yeah. like, uh, what's his face? <clears throat> Chris Hardwick. Uh, Chris Hardwick, yeah. Like, he went he went crazy and some... spent a fortune on one of the Haunted Mansion um, original Original paintings, paintings yeah. yeah. Um, Hardwick's a the, huge uh, memorabilia collector. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Scott, thanks for joining us here on the Beyond the Backlog. My pleasure. I had fun. You guys are awesome. This was a blast. We have a lot in common. Yeah, we do. We, In fact, we should think about getting Scott on a location with us at some point. That would be I amazing. Be that, anytime. Okay. You guys, I love that. In uh, fact, you were saying... Uh, that you love Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. and I'm going to check out some of the Jurassic Park, uh, uh, sorry, some of the Jurassic Park locations in Kauai, oh, which I have I done before. But uh, like that field where mm-hmm. all the, mm-hmm. have you been there? I haven't. I want so to Gallimimus so come bad. running over the hill. Yeah, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, I feel like awesome. Chris should uh, book us all the trip there. Yes, I think we should. Yes. Okay, so, we're going anyway. Going. But yeah, please, please have me to a fun location. There's there's so many around here. Yeah. And uh, it's been a going, it's it's fine. It's done. (laughs) There's cut. There's so many around here. How is that? (laughs) There's so many around here. Faster. (laughs) Let it breathe. Scott, thank you for joining us on this podcast. Anytime. Always want to remind you to check us out at youtube.com slash beyond the backlot. Make sure to subscribe. Click that little bell to keep up to date with new content. And be sure to go to scottrumble.com and uh, check out more about Scott's career and the things that are going on. Check us out on Facebook as well as Instagram. Always stay in update with uh, the latest stuff we're releasing for Beyond the Backlot. I think it would be really great if we close this out by Aquaman giving us a little shout out from uh to watch us next time don't miss beyond the back lot perfect okay. <laughs> thanks for watching everybody we'll see you next time i need a script